This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and I'm here today with Pastor Brandon Starnes, and we want to welcome you back as we continue our study of the mind today with this thought, enemies to the mind of the believer. You know, 1 John 5, verse 21 says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. When we consider that thought, we look forward to investigating this topic in this episode of the Rejoicing in the Word podcast. But first, before we do that, let me get into where you can find us on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash rwmin. Please message us. We'd love to hear from you. Share the podcast there. You can like for the quickest updates that are put out and also some quotes and verses you can find as well. Also remember the Rejoicing in the Word blog at SVBC pa.org forward slash rwblog. And then don't forget to find all the direct links for the podcast. It's svbcpa.org forward slash rwpod. And you'll find us on all the major podcast platforms. So as we get into this, we're going to be looking at enemies of the mind. And often when we think of this topic, we're going to be specifically looking at idols. Idols are a great enemy to our mind. But often when we think about idols, we're thinking about graven images. I'm thinking of um, wood or golden images. Yeah, or, like like Dagon, the half-fish yeah. god or something like that. Various gods that you'd find in the scriptures that the Hebrews worshipped or those in the countries nearby and around them that, that they engaged in, be it those from uh, the Philistines or uh, the Phoenicians or whoever it might be, uh, even... As you think of those back in the Ur of the Chaldees, Laban and such, uh, that were engaged to one form or another of, of idolatrous worship. Uh, to our Western mind, sometimes that just seems so far from our consideration. Uh, but when we think of these idols, particularly of biblical time, he talks about them being idols, Psalm 115, about them being idols uh, of silver and gold, the works of men's hands, that they have mouths but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they seek not. Ears, they have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither spake they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. You know, if I were to think about an idol from the Bible, the first thing I think about is the golden calf. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean... They worshipped it. It was gold. It was made of their own hands, made of their own possessions. And while Moses was up there on the mount communing with God, God was actually speaking with him. And they're down there worshipping a cow that can't hear, can't speak, can't smell, can't walk. And they fashioned it. Can't even give him milk. No. (laughs) And they fashioned it with the provision that God gave them. Yeah. That's where they got all of that wealth. It was just slaves. They had left. They had this wealth. And instead of using it, And so often we're in the same lot, right? We have something that God has given us, something that he's allowed us to steward. And instead of making that uh, in the correct priority, making it subservient to the will of God, it really becomes the end of all things for us. Yeah. And we take what God has blessed us with and don't invest it for him. No. Uh, You know, in, in our Western mindset, when we think of idols, we think, well, we really don't have those. We don't have something that we bow down before and offer incense to. But we do have idols. 
um, at the onset, you you read there First John chapter five and verse twenty one, where John specifically warns the little children, keep yourselves from idols. And he would never had that warning had there not been a proclivity in the heart. And these little children, these are believers. Yeah. Not not necessarily little by age. I perhaps think better by maturity. But there's a great battle that wages and an idol that can occur in the life of a believer. In fact, if we were going to take the moment, and I think we probably should, to define idolatry, we would consider Exodus chapter 20 where the scripture says, you have no other gods before me. That truly idol, what an idol is, that ultimately is the enemy of a mind at peace with God, an idol is something that precedes the preeminence of God. Yeah. Meaning it has more importance in actuality, uh, in our dedication, our concerns, our thoughts, etc., than God does. Yeah, and so that can mean it could be more than just silver and gold. And I mean, we're going to look at other idols here in a little sure. bit. Sure. You know, we think of um, Mark chapter 12, and there's other places in the Gospels as well, I think Matthew 22, but uh, the the lawyers, the scribes, et cetera, had come into the Lord and are trying to catch him with these hypotheticals, and and then even with some of their their uh, real issues, like particularly, I think of the one about uh, the paying of taxes, and the Lord right. says, whose inscription's on this? Yeah. Render unto Caesar, and then about this hypothetical, if this... This uh, fella married a woman, and there were no children, and he died, and she yeah. marries the brother. And he goes out like seven different brothers, whose wife <laughs> shall she be, you know? And the Sadducees ask that. They don't even believe in um, the resurrection. Right. That's the irony to yeah. this. But there seems to be something of an honest scribe there, an honest lawyer, if we can say so. And he asks, what is the most important commandment? And it's recorded in Mark chapter 12 and verse 22 as such, that the first, the commandment with great preeminence Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy mind, with all of thy strength. Yeah. And even to that uh, that scribe, that individual, he, he talks about, and the second part of the second commandment was loving thy neighbor as thyself. And to this scribe, he, he says later in verse 33, he said, it's more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Yeah. So truly idolatry occurs when we believe that there is something we must have in order that we might be happy. Yes. Anything that precedes uh, the preeminence of the Almighty God. Uh, The fact is we have an inward proclivity to this, right? We have an innate response. No man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but loveth it. Yeah. So right off the bat we are faced with an inward conflict between what I love self and what I'm supposed to love, yeah. God. Yeah. How I want to spoil self or how I'm supposed to give all of my divine love and attention and a preeminence to God. So right there is a great conflict. And it's something really uh, that believers, uh, in a sense of very mature believers, can struggle with as well. Yeah. Well, John Newton once said, if he could speak to his own experience, if I may speak to my own experience, I find that to keep my eye simply on Christ as my peace and my life is by far the hardest part of my calling. It seems easier to deny self in a thousand instances of outward conduct than it's than in its ceaseless endeavors to act as a principle of righteousness and power. Yeah, his emphasis 
He's speaking only to keep his eye simply on Christ as his peace and his life. Yeah. Uh, we often think of life and peace, and we equate our peace to a direct result of happiness or, you know, whatever happenings occur. And we think of peace as being the absence of conflict, and we think of what our life is. I'm often, you know, you, you take the opportunity and you consider epithets that that are placed on headstones and such, and you're trying to summarize someone's life. Yeah. You're trying in very few words to summarize what it is that they were most passionate about in their life. Well, if I'm going to be a disciple of Christ, it starts first with a responsibility to deny self. Yeah. And the fact is, that is a very challenging ordeal in which to engage. Um, Colossians chapter 3 uh, Newt used that phrase there. He talks about uh, keep my eyes simply on Christ as my peace and my life. And I think about that phrase, my life. What What is your life? What What is the sum total of the measurement of your life? If you could add up every aspect, what would it equal? Yeah. And the answer should be it equals Christ. You know, in Philippians, Paul described this matter this way when he said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you were going to add up the sum total of the Apostle Paul's life, it's about finishing his course that was set before him. Yeah, It's about being ready to be offered up. It's about loving the appearance of Christ. Yeah. If you, if you wanted to know what his singular focus was, you'd make no mistake. Uh, there were no idols that were present in his life. His desire was to please and to serve his Savior. Yeah. And I think as we consider that, uh, as the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Colossae, a group of believers, there's no record. He didn't plant the church, no record that he ever was there. It's just kind of the letter that he wrote to them. But he uses this phrase, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Yeah. And as we consider these things about really the enemies of the mind, we have innately created in us a desire to worship and commune with our God. We're separated by sin. And then once the sin matter is taken care of by faith, repentance towards God and faith and salvation, the battle does not end there. No. And I think you and I, if we're going to be aware of the, the weight and struggles that these idols can focus as being enemies of our mind, we could consider here well this this afternoon or this morning, um, Colossians chapter three, and thinking about these idols. Let me read a pass a portion of this passage here, verses one through five. The scriptures say, "If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God." When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. These are very powerful statements. I think jumping right off the page there first, as we consider these enemies of the mind, we have to be alert to the possibilities. Yeah. He says there in verse number one, if ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of, of the throne or right hand of God. The reality is, it is a possibility in our life, and a strong one at that, that a believer 
can embrace, we would hope not at all, we would hope that it would be temporary, but they can embrace uh, certain loves in their life that are beyond uh, their love for God in such yeah. idolatry. Making an idol. And, and right off the bat, one of the first offenses is to recognize and to be alert of the possibilities of idolatry in our life. Yeah. And talk about just a, the quick way to rob yourself of joy and peace that God wants to have you is to allow idols to enter in. Sure. Yes, it's going to be injurious to us at every level. It's going to, as you mentioned, take away that peace. It's going to steal our joy that we have towards God. It's going to remove the opportunity that we have for service. So yeah. it's important to be alert to that possibility yeah. that idolatry in the life of a believer can exist. Yeah. Then we need to be aware of our profession, who yes. we are. And verse 3 mentions that, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God, speaking to the fact of my salvation and the believer's salvation. I mean, we were, Romans 5, we were the enemies of God without strength, um, sinners, ungodly, but God commended his love towards us. Yeah. Where sin did abound, God's grace did much, much more, more abound. And I am in Christ Jesus. I am secure in him. Therefore, I am a new creature. Second Corinthians chapter 5, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Yeah. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So, yes, be aware of the possibility, but equally with that, I, I should say be alert to the possibility, but equally with that, be aware of my profession. I am not just a um, new creature in one sense. I'm a son of the living God. Yeah. Uh, I am part of the family of God. Oh, how important it is for you and I to to set our love now on that same Christ who has loved us and gave himself for us. Yeah, Hebrews 10 talks about holding fast the profession of our faith and something we need to be aware of. Yeah, absolutely, aware of that profession. I think with that as well, uh, when he speaks of setting your affections on things above, I've got to adjust every passion of this life persistently. Yeah. I can't let down my guard. Yeah. It's a it's a constant thing to realize that there can be many noble things in life. And noble things can still be idols. Yes. Yeah. I believe it was Tozer that said anything, regardless of how harmless it may be, that comes between me and my relationship to God should be counted mine enemy. Hmm. And that's, that's this reference. There's an adjusted uh, persistency every day towards everything. Be careful of the wiles of our own heart that with great subtlety will love things that in, in a big scope of things might be wholesome in one way, yeah. but the end result can replace God on the throne of our heart. So set your affections above. Yeah, and then another thing we see from our passage here is the aggressiveness. We just look at adjusting with persistency. And so every day we're going to wake up and have to fight the enemy of idolatry in our life, but it needs to be fought with aggression. Yeah. And there needs to be aggressiveness towards the peril. And we see in the passage, verse 5, mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. I mean, if we knew, um, you know, I, I think of my childhood. There was a state park maybe a couple hours away or so, and Bald Rock is what they called it. And you'd go out this, and I would go out once or twice, and I was really nervous. But there's, there's no real railing. You just kind of go out, and it's a drop, you know. Yeah. No parent in their right mind would be comfortable 
with their their little toddler or their little four or five-year-old running around anywhere there. I mean, you're just going to, what are you going to do? You're going to set some type of barrier between your child and that peril, and really maybe even between you and the edge. Yeah. Depending on your level of comfortability and your strength and vigor that you might have. Well, that's the same mindset that we ought to have as it comes to serving God. Not just rules for rules' sakes, but look, we know the proclivity of our heart. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Don't give any occasion to the flesh. Look, it's interesting in verse number five, you read a moment ago, he talks about your members. So he's not just talking about uh, like church members or anything. He's talking (laughs) about members of your body. Hands, so, eyes, ears, mouth, and nose, head, shoulders, yeah. knees, and toes. <laughs> every every sense that we have, right? Yeah. And then he mentioned some specific things. This list is not comprehensive. There's other lists that you could, in the scriptures, that would be similar that you could add to it. But just focus on some that he does. Right off the bat is fornication. Yeah. Uh, the porneo is the Greek word there, and I think that's a very broad essence of, of this. But it's a sexual sin that exists. Yeah. uncleanliness, you'll find that again in Romans chapter 1, uh, akin as well, inordinate affections. Uh, that's the idea of uh, passions yeah. that exist in life. Evil concupiscence, usually again, that's sensual. Covetous, that's greed. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you look at the end of covetous, he says, which, which is idolatry. Yeah. Why? Because covetousness is beholding something that isn't mine. And allowing in my heart that desire to fester of how badly I need, quote, unquote, this thing. Yeah. And, and it really could, could uh, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that whatever that thing is, isn't some level of nobility to it. Yeah. It, it could be we're, you know, here in a month or two ago in this area, we're getting ready for, for hunting season. And, you know, there's so many positive things regarding hunting. But how easy is that just to be a noble thing that can easily become the preeminent thing in my life. Yeah. Or we were talking a little bit earlier about um, a family can even be an idol. And talk about a noble thing. That, yeah, I mean, what I want for my children in a sense of uh, not wanting them to do the will of God or wanting them to do what I think is the will of God for their life. Yeah. Uh, or even, you know, yes, it's a wonderful thing to provide for your family. But be careful that that imagery in your mind that you've kind of made as the idealistic provision yeah. isn't the idol itself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the American dream as a whole can be somewhat idolatrous if we've put that above the preeminence of God in our life. Yeah. And so the, the kind of answer to that and a big question is be aggressive towards that peril. Yeah. It's I, life or death. Yeah, I think the list that he puts there whenever he talks about mortify your members, then he puts that list out there. You know, as we look at, if a believer is going to take an assessment of their life, they're going to know right off the bat that these things, fornication, uncleanliness, in order, they sh- they're going to know right off the bat, these things have no place in my life. And I think that list that he just puts there shows forth the aggression that needs to be put in place towards the idols. Yeah, there, listen, I know that we're in an age where there's no absolutes. But if a Christian is really going to love God preeminently, there's some things they're going to have to put hard, fast stakes in that separate the profane from the holy, the clean from the unclean in their life. Night from from light, if you will. Uh, A fifth thing that we could mention is found all the way down in verse number 10 where 
And it's very similar to a verse we referenced earlier out of Ephesians chapter 4. But having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Yeah. What is he talking about? It's made in the image of Christ. So part of this matter of conquering these enemies of the mind as it relates to idolatry is to be attired in the person of Christ. Yeah. To put on this new man. And, you know, it's not just soteriological applications of, well, I got saved. Yeah. It, it also has the matter of sanctification. It's a constant putting on. Yeah. Um, the answer is, I want to be like Christ. Well, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And so not only in the deeds of the flesh, but also, as you well reminded us, the mind, the mindset. Yeah. So we've been very ambiguous except for a few things, but let's take just a moment and maybe list what, what are some idols that can be common to or in the life of believers today that, if you will, thinking of Second Corinthians, that are strongholds that can be set up in our life. Yeah, I think about pride. Pride's a, a very easy one to take over and set its roots in, in any person's life. You know, so often we forget all, I think of the Proverbs particularly, though there's many other places, where pride is the list of consequences to engaging in a prideful mindset, heart, etc., are devastating to an individual. Yeah. For well, instance, pride cometh before a fall. Only by pride, pride. cometh contention. Yeah. Pride leads us. It's like the gateway sin into so many Yeah, and, and no wonder in Romans, the apostle Paul, through inspiration, warned, he, he, he told the believers there, he said, not to think too highly of themselves, they ought not to think. Yeah. Uh, it's an engaging thing. Now, we can see that even as we see that you know, the Lord having saved us and having through his word sanctified us and set us apart and we've learned some things along the line and then become to the point where we really think that we were the one that did all of that. Yeah. The children of Israel fell under the same condemnation, or at least were warned of it in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He said, when you've come into the land that I have given you, take heed that you don't forget me. Yeah. Uh, and say not, you know, in thine heart, Right. That I've built these houses and I've, because I've planted this and I've yeah. done this. No, 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 no. It was God that gave it. It to was him. God. Spiritual yeah. gifts. It was something God gave uh, to each believer. Uh, the opportunity you have to service, the ministry that you're in, the family that you have, the finances that God has entrusted you with. It's all His. Pride can play such a devastating uh, idol, be such a devastating idol in our life. I think of James chapter 4. Of course, Proverbs chapter 6 talks about pride being something that God hates. It's one of the abominations listed there in Proverbs chapter 6. But in James chapter 4, he tells him, it tells us that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Yeah. That word resisteth, that's that continual thing. Never there, There's never a time that God looks in pride at a prideful individual and says, Oh, good. Yep, Let me bless you. That's good. That's yeah. right there, you know. And that word resisteth is a military word there. The picture is... Setting up a force against you. Yes. Full battle array. Uh, we speak in our society of hot wars and cold wars, you know, like that. Cold war is usually designed to something that's a proxy war that, that is being waged. Hot wars where we're engaged. The reality is there comes that time where the gloves are taken off and every tool at their disposal is set against the enemy. Yeah. Well, in this passage, that God resisting the proud, that's the idea. 
God has set every tool at his disposal against them. Yeah, all the resources. So go on and embrace the proud fault and heart in your life. That's an idol, and it will be met with a devastating consequence. But it's not the only idol that's common. Lust? Yeah. Lust. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. Over there in First John in chapter 2. Um, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. The, the lust of the uh, flesh, that's the desire to experience something. Lust of the eyes, that's the uh, desire to have something. The pride of life is now the boast about what has been gained. And there is so much that drives about all of these lusts, particularly in the scriptures that are found. Uh, but they were around since the beginning, and that it really is the composition of this world system that we have. It is focused on lust and desire. In fact, that was the temptation with Eve, wasn't it? Yeah. Hath not God said in the day that you do this, you shall have this? Yeah. The whole focus there was playing on her lust, an appeal for her to have something she thought she should have. Yeah. And that somehow God was keeping all of the wondrous things from her. An enemy of the mind. Absolutely. Yeah. And it occupied a place in her mind that it did not have to yeah. and resulted in a consequence that was avoidable. Yeah. How about self? I'm Second Timothy 3, 2 says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. But ourself, we can, I mean, talk about an easy one to do there, put ourselves preeminently over God. I think there's hundreds of instances that we could look at throughout the scripture. I think about... Uh, the epistles of John, old diatrophies, who love it to have the preeminence, yeah. self, me, and mine. Those are the important ones. Yeah. Uh, self, such such a, a a real possibility of having an idol there, a lover of self. We mentioned Ephesians five. No man ever yet hateth his own self. Yeah, yeah, great one. How about entertainment? There's one in that same passage just read, I believe, Second Timothy three. Men shall be uh, uh, lovers of their own selves. Pleasures. Oh. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Yeah. And I think of the lovers of pleasures of life is that somewhat hedonistic society we live in today where we love the entertainments that abound. I was reading an article recently and it was talking about the death of the cable networks you know and i remember as a kid people would be like oh i've got cable i got 200 channels and i only watch <laughs> five of them and then somewhere along the line somewhere along the line people got into this cable with the internet you know got in the cable cutting and so now they're just going to have the the apps that, that whatever video right. apps streaming yeah, apps that yeah. they're going to watch and i was listening to this i was reading read this article and it was the ceo of disney Iger. And he talked about them dividing up their various apps and offering them on different platforms with different subscription costs. And he said, we believe that the average American uh, will fund seven different apps, streaming apps. And then you start adding it up. And guess what? It's right back. To what the cable bill used to Yes. Be. And somebody asked that question in this, this calling log that I read. And uh, he goes, he said, well, the fact of it is, he said, that day's dead. And he said, the good about that is you were subsidizing those things you didn't want with those things you do, but that's gone. And now you have to pay for everything you want. <laughs> You'll wind up paying more is what he was saying. Oh, gotcha. And, and you've got pleasures, and yet people will gladly do so. Yeah. 
put preeminence on that. And again, not condemning every joy of life, but be careful those pleasures don't become an idol. Yeah. How about um, hatred or bitterness? Oh, my. Ephesians 4 talks about put away a lying and malice and all bitterness, etc. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed to the day of redemption. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Oh, so many, like Hebrews, would speak of that root of bitterness, have allowed it in there, and it's springing up in their soul, and it's defiling them in every aspect of their life. Yeah. Some grievance they can't get past. Yeah. Well, talk about something that's going, idolatry, something that precedes the preeminence of God. Hatred and bitterness are going to get in the way of your relationship with God. All these things are really pride, every, lust. Every day. Well, John, in First John, he speaks about um, every man that is, every child that is begotten of God, loveth them also that are begotten of him. Yeah. You know, how, how can I say that I love God if I hate my brother? Yeah. Uh, shutteth up my bowels of compassion towards him. And so, yeah, when there's that aspect of of bitterness, malice, anger towards other believers, particularly is the yeah. context there. Yeah, First John talks You've about You've got a problem. Too. Yeah. What about fear, worry? We talked about this a little bit in previous episodes, anxiety. Yeah, those are terrible, terrible troubles, troubles of the mind. And, you know, let not your heart be troubled. Yeah. I think of, that's John 14, but I, I think of Psalm 37. Fret not thyself in any wise. Fret not, fret not, fret not. Um, such a uh, place in our society today where there's so many that are battling anxiety and worry, which to its baseline likely has a fear present. Yeah. Timothy was not unlike that in Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Um, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Yeah. And here's a young preacher man, a pastor, that had great fear. Uh, there's probably a number of reasons for it, to be careful that that fear does not become the all-prevailing thing, entity in his life. Yeah. What about the world? Oh, I think First John two fifteen, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Yeah, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Yeah. What, an, what an immense consideration that this world system is passing away. And yet with all of its fleeting, uh, while passing the way, it has all these fleeting uh, dandies in which uh, snare the heart of Christians. Not unlike, not unlike old Demas, you know. Yeah. A little bit different turn there, but Demas forsook having loved the present world. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking at all these Let's look at how can we determine if I have an idol in my life. How yeah. can you determine if you have an idol in your oh, life? Oh, my. I, I think, obviously, it always starts with the Word of God, but I think there's some direct approaches to be taken. I think one of those in Second Corinthians chapter 10, Second Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 4, he speaks, well, back up to verse 3, he said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, yeah. and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I think an easy way for one to consider an idol in their life is to determine what their imaginations are. What their mind dwells upon. That's that's really yeah. the focus there. What are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, 
when when there's nothing else that is demanding your attention, what's your mind think about? Yeah. And that is very challenging. Paul, or rather, uh, David talked about the, the word of God being his meditation all the day long. You know, if you if you sit back in your easy chair and you can take that moment, which I think many Christians, at least here in the Western world, miss out on this wonderful opportunity, uh, as we spoke of really on our last episode of meditation, they, they, they just will not allow their mind to be disciplined and focused on the truths of the word of God. We're, we're driven by a society so fast paced. What does your mind go to? What, what is that initial thoughts? Yeah, that'll give you some insight. It really will. Yeah. It, it will speak tremendous volumes in the silence of your mind. Uh, your meditations, what are your thoughts? The true God of your heart will be revealed in your thoughts. Yeah. I think another thing we could look at is to determine your investments. Yeah. Um, you know, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Yeah, Matthew chapter 6, can't serve two gods. Yeah. Can't serve God and mammon. But we're commanded to lay up for treasures. And the idea of that word, laying up treasures, stack them up. Yeah. But yet when you think about stacking up, we don't often think about the spiritual treasures in heaven. Yeah. So look at your finances. Our money flows towards our heart's greatest love. Yeah. And money is, look, my, we're not talking here that money is some grand evil uh, and that everyone should take a vow of poverty. No, I mean, there there is a, a tremendous opportunity that God has given us to steward certain uh, amounts of wealth and, and be able to use that for his glory. Um, even God himself owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Yet when we think of this, the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah, And there'll be many that believer that pierces themselves through with many sorrows. Yeah, That's why Proverbs labor not to be rich. There's a lot of danger in that. And so our money flows towards whatever our heart's greatest love. What I love can be revealed on yeah. what I spend my finances to a greater extent. And I, I know that, uh, and I just want to give clarity here, I know that we've got to live somewhere. I know that that involves monthly expenses and 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 food and shelter and clothing and and then there's ancillary stuff that is going to be a part of our daily life. I, we're not trying to equate that, but I we're looking I, at ways that you yes, can determine be, beyond yeah. that great great uh, end. Yeah. What is that area that I tend to quote unquote overspend on? Most Americans, the overwhelming majority of Americans, paycheck to paycheck. I never forget as a little fellow I was with my granddad and. We were driving down this old golf course, and I just remarked about all these houses. And he said, the, the marvelous thing is, he happened to know a banker, and there were several folks there just paycheck to paycheck. The reality is, it's the ability to manage it, whether you make $5 or $500. And sometimes we let that want or dictate it, and having things becomes a possession. It becomes something we worry about. It We, we become... We fight against liberality, generosity. Yeah. We're tightwads about everything that is going to exist. How much, how, what's the least amount that I can do for God? What's the least amount I can give? Um, it drives the actions of our marriage uh, is the result. What a terrible thing. Husband and wife, uh, beautiful picture there of, uh, of Christ in Ephesians chapter 5, and yet they're going to argue about an idol. <laughs> money is often yeah. one of those top things. Um, how about, you know, with regards to the focus on the life of children, make money, make money, make money. And again, you know, it, it's not very good parenting advice. 
uh, even in a biblical fashion, to tell your child, hey, go out there and make as little as you can out of your life. No. That's not what you're trying no. to do. But the inverse is often the case. And that can that can be a, a tremendous thing. The fads of today. Um, what, what is it? The old saying, work hard so that I can play harder. Have everything that I can have in life. Uh, making decisions based on what it's going to cost me. Boy, I can't make it all the church services because it's going to cost me too much overtime. It's going to cost me too much of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't take a missions trip. I can't help out at camp. It's going to be a call. Well, those all might be indicative that our investments are in the wrong place and finances may be a God that is a head of the sovereign God that ought to be supreme. Yeah. Another thing we could look at is determine your inclinations mm. and um are you disappointed towards the will of god i think about jonah and uh god said this is my will for you and while some christians are ready and willing and looking for the will of god jonah was disappointed at what god was clearly and telling him to do literally angry unto death yeah he talks i am angry i do right to be angry jonah chapter four yeah yeah i mean uh his inclination angry um Malice, frustration. What are your emotions? Yeah. What? Here's a good good thought for the, this time of of life that we find ourselves in. What triggers you? What's your trigger? What is that thing that just sets your fuse? Yeah. I mean, what a terrible aspect. But they so often can be indicative. Consider giving some consideration. Be yeah. indicative of the idols of our life. Speaking of triggers, determine your instincts. Mm-hmm. What What are your emotions firing off? Yeah. yeah, it's something too important uh, that I must have it at all cost. Yeah, you know, uh, is is um, am I fearful because something seems to be so necessary, and if I can't get it, uh, I'll be insignificant. I mean, all of these. What are those? What are those instincts? Those valuations that place yeah. upon us? Do I value more what the world says about me or what God has said? Yeah. And before we go to before we go to the end here, we need to look at how do we get rid of this yeah. idol. And I, I think as we've taken the opportunity to determine what the idols was, there there's an an undercurrent there that really it starts with the Word of God. Yeah. Where is your heart focused, on the temporal, or the eternal, and the Word of God, and and that that Word of God, it's what we're washed by Ephesians chapter five by the washing of the Word. Uh, that's what is sanctifying John chapter seventeen. Sanctify them by Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. So it starts with the word of God. And then, of course, as with any sin in our life, there's the responsibility to confess it. Yeah. To say about our idol or sin what God has said. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let it be chief. Let it be supreme. Let it be to your heart what it ought to be. To preach the word of God to your heart. Don't let the world do that. Yeah. If it's not supreme in your heart, you're going to find an idol is. Yeah. And in that case, it's the responsibility to confess our sins yeah. and knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. And then equally, when you think of idols, it's quite important not only to get uh, make confession and, and have uh, forgiveness, but it's important to forsake them. Yeah. Well, you have to. Yeah. You're going to get on the right. Absolutely. I think of First Thessalonians chapter 5, and this is talking about the... Uh, the new birth of the members there of Thessalonians Church. But he, he talked about that they became followers of us. And he said, uh, For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how that ye turned to God from idols uh, 
to serve the living God. Yeah. You know, here's the key point. Not only to let the word expose the idols and to ask for God's forgiveness, but there's a responsibility of forsaking, but now you got a void. Yeah. You better fill the void or you know what will happen? It's going to get filled back in with either the same one or a different one. You know, a lot of times this time of year, folks are cleaning out their gardens. And if you, you know, don't put something down or prevent it, you're going to leave it fallow another year. Weeds will always grow. Oh, yeah. And it, it creates more. You better be prepared to let something pertaining to the service of the Almighty God Keep growing. Yeah. take root in that place of your life. Yeah. Let God have that preeminent way. That will be the long road to removing the idol, which is ultimately the enemy of the child of God's mind. Yeah, let's close out this episode with a verse here, Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so with that, we want to thank you for listening, and we look forward to catching you in the next episode. Goodbye for now.